One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here today with the Manchester United segment, recapping the 2022-2023 season. Uh, joined today by Joshi, who you can find on Twitter at Doc underscore Joshi. Uh, a pleasure having you on. Manchester United, I assume, have to be feeling pretty good about the season they had. Obviously, Eric Ten Hag's first, uh, finishing in the top four, going to two domestic cup finals, winning one of them. What's the overall sentiment within the Manchester United fan base and from yourself about how this last season went? Yeah, I think when you think about how we finished the previous season and with um, Ralph Ragnick and it was complete absolute, like, like a shambles basically at the club. Um, I think Ten Hag has probably done better than expected overall, right? So like taking our season um, in isolation because there's other factors, I think it was a good season, right? The two cup finals that you mentioned finishing third um although it was a fairly distant third um you know and we've had some really good highlights some really good you can see the improvement on the pitch so yeah overall you know that taking all that into account with uh, the previous season i think it's been a pretty excellent one that being said there are things going on where you think you know we could have done better and also you know, with City uh, winning the treble, you know, in the same season, we're trying to kind of say we've had a good one. It tempers things a little bit. Um, and then, and also with the talk of the the takeover, which which on paper is a great thing because we all hate the Glazers. Again, that's, that's maybe put a bit of a dampener because they're stretching things out. Um, we don't know what's going to happen in the transfer window. We don't know actually who the new owner is going to be. So there's cause for optimism with regards to Ten Hag, what he's done with the team and what he actually achieved last season. But I think there's also areas where the fans are still unhappy um, and with good reason, I think. So, yeah, I think the big one was the FA Cup final. It was really in our hands to stop this City treble. I don't think City played particularly well in that final. Uh, We just didn't get going and obviously they didn't need to get going uh, and, and they won. So... Yeah, there are obvious and clear areas for improvement. But I think overall, the fans are pretty happy with the way the season has gone. Um, and the fact that he, uh, Ten Hag has added uh, silverware at the first sort of the first uh, season is, is a really big deal. So now he, now he can sort of hopefully kick on from there and add more going forward. Yeah, on Ten Hag, I think one of the big concerns that like Tottenham had was whether or not he'd be able to step up to the next level, be able to handle... Uh, the limelight, which obviously is very strong at Manchester United. How do you feel like he fared in that environment? Yeah, I think with arm, he's quite measured. He he has got a good, um, uh, looks like he's got a good rapport with, with the media. I think he's done really well. He's managed a lot of the situations um, through the season extremely well. I mean, when you take all of what I said in context, not just of the previous season, but also 
we had that whole the whole Cristiano Ronaldo saga at the big the first half of the season where you know he wasn't well, his form had completely gone he wasn't playing and then he had that interview with Piers Morgan you know that was a time bomb really could have you know Ten Hag could have managed it lots of different ways and I think in the end he he managed it well and, and Cristiano Ronaldo was the one who who sort of um, mismanaged the situation I think um, and and throughout the season whenever some a challenge has been thrown at him I think he's stepped up. He stepped up well. He's managed the club well. He's managed the team well. Um, again, everyone has areas for improvement, but broadly, in terms of the, that that sort of limelight and focus on him, I, I've been impressed. I don't think that I've seen him um, flapping under pressure or sort of not sort of reaching for an answer during a media interview or anything like that. He's pretty calm, collected, knows what he's talking about, and has confidence, which is which is what you need in that position. So, yeah, I think overall, I, I think those concerns were probably, well, they shouldn't have been concerned. It's, it's, um, it, he, he's done well on that front. Yeah, and not to make this about Tottenham, but now we have to find out if a different manager from a lower league can take that step up. Uh, the, the time of Spurs fans laughing at United for beating us twice, which led to us getting Conte and you uh, not, uh, Seems so long ago now, in hindsight. Um, what grade would you give this this season? A letter grade? Oh, a grade. I think, a, I don't know, what we're we doing, letters, B plus maybe. Mm. Um, because it's, it's, you know, I think, again, it has to all be taken into context. You know, obviously, as United fans over the last uh, 30 years, the, the, you know, not the last 10, but the, the 20 before that, we got used to a lot of success, Premier League titles, a couple of Champions Leagues and and whatnot, and uh, so measured against that, then you know it, it's it's not a successful season at all. But measured against the previous decade and in particular the previous season, then you sort of go, okay, there's a definite progress. There's a lot of um, um, positives to take, and uh, uh, you know, and we've come away with some silverware. But there's also a lot of areas for improvement where. Decisions could have been be- um, better, and and actually go. You know, there's lots of areas of improvement within the team and the club. So I think a B plus is fair. Um, if we're going to be grading it on that front, um, you, so I, I, you know, you've got to you take the good with the with the bad. And you know, I had I attended the, fir- the the first cup final with my seven year old. That was his first ever match watching That's Man awesome. United. So you know, for me, in, it, when taking that into account, it's like an A plus, right? Because I got <laughs> took my seven. Took a seven, my seven-year-old to a cup final, and then I took him to the FA Cup match against West Ham. And and here in Switzerland, we've been to watch our local team, I don't know, ten times, and also FC Basel quite a few times and and whatnot. So for me, the previous football season has been really awesome because because of that. But yeah, no, taking everything into account is probably a bit of a B plus for Man United. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and one of the big strengths for United this season. Uh, was the defense top three in uh, goals conceded the good way. You conceded one of the third fewest goals. Um, and it led to another golden glove for David De Gea. I was just curious your thoughts on on kind of the back there and, and where fans are at with De Gea now. You know, I, I was shocked when I saw that, you know, the the, 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 the defensive record. Because, you know, you, if you think about it, we, we lost 7-0 to... Liverpool, I think it was 7-0, right? Not 7-1, but it was 7-0 to Liverpool. We let in six against Man City in one of the games, um, four against Brighton, four against Brentford in the opening two matches of the season, 
So, you know, when you think about that, and, and yet we've still got the best um, sort of clean sheet record and one of the best events records, there's, you can see that behind it, there's a solid foundation in terms of the defense, which, is a, which makes a massive difference. You know, it's, it's a huge impact. And then you look at De Gea. He's won the Golden Glove, but I think it's been his worst season at United. Um, loads of mistakes, inviting pressure on. He's not good with his feet. Um, his, his aerial sort of command of the area is not good. He's coming out and claiming for high balls is pretty much non-existent. Uh, he's sweeping up at the back, again, non-existent. Um, so, and, and then his shot stopping has been, it's not been elite level. So up until to like, you know, I would say three, four years ago, I was, his shot stopping was second to none. You know, he would be pulling off miraculous saves out of nowhere. And every now and then he kind of does, but he's less consistent. Um, and that covered up his deficiencies in in terms of his, you know, the, the sort of high ball claims where he doesn't even feature in the top 20 in the Premier League. Like the number of high balls claimed, he's, he's, he's not in the top 20 list according to Premier League stats. And that means there are reserve keepers that have claimed more high balls than him, which, which is like, what what's going on here? So... <laughs> For me, for me, all the, sh- the, the shot-stopping heroics previously when he was winning player of the season and, and that kind of stuff, they did kind of cover up and, and compensate for the, the poor kind of other areas. This year, I mean, the FA Cup final was a prime example. He wasn't, con- he wasn't set for the first goal. It, it didn't look like he was concentrated. He wasn't really ready, and it bang, went in 12 seconds in. And, and I think, you know, it wasn't, that, wasn't a, that wasn't in the top corner. He just wasn't set. If he had been set, he's saving that. And a keeper who's on it and alert is saving that. And, and he's good enough in terms of shot stopping to do that. And the second goal dribbled in at the far corner and his positioning was completely off. And, and even his reaction time wasn't as good as, uh, as you'd expect. When your ability with your feet and your aerial ability and your distribution and your sweeping and all of those things are so lacking like his are, then you, you have to be saving those shots, right? That's the only thing you're offering is shot stopping. If you're not sh- saving those two, then you're offering pretty much nothing. And I think that FA Cup final summed him up. So, yes, he got the Golden Gloves. It's a great achievement, but I think that's a team achievement, really. And um, it's time for him to move on, to be honest with you. I, I'm not, uh, I, I love him, by the way. I've, I've been a huge fan of his. He's achieved a lot at the club and he deserves a lot of respect and the proper send off. But also, if we're going to move forward with the way Ten Hag clearly wants to play, then we can't have him in, in, in goal. It, it, I think it's just that, it's that simple. Um, and we've seen links to other keepers as well in this, uh, this summer. It's very strong links, which is the first time in a very long time um, that we, we have been linked with another keeper. So, yeah, I, I, I expect that he'll go. Um, I, you know, and I, 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 I'll, I'll have fond memories of him, but I think it is time. Gotcha. Well, that, that'll be a difficult position to fill. Goalkeeper is just one of the hardest positions to scout and know what you're getting in them. Uh, at the other end of the pitch, I assume you're going to be looking for a striker. You tried to address it with Valt Weghorst, who scored a, checks notes, zero goals <laughs> in 17 in matches the in the Premier League. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is I assume that's the, the main position that you're wanting to fill, though? Yeah, I mean, look, I think this is an area of like, it's an it's obviously been an area where, and one of the areas where, um, which has resulted in a B plus rather than a, a higher higher mark with a proper striker in there. 
I think we could have achieved a lot more, right? Especially in some of these other games that we've been in where we, we just didn't get it over the line, right? But then at the same time, it, it, it means that there is real key area of improvement. And with Rashford really coming into his form off that left-hand side, if you were to add in a striker who who brings an additional 20, 30 goals a season, that, that, that would be huge, like transformational. And it doesn't need to be. I mean, I know that we've been linked with Harry Kane, uh, Victor Osserman. You know, these are the big name strikers that are apparently on the market. This Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Summer, I don't think it needs to be someone, at, you know, that's going to cost 150, 100, 150 million dollars, pounds, whatever we're talking about. Like if I think about this side, the, and the way in which we play, even a just a, like a good striker who's going to score goals would, would be transformational. That's how bad Val Weghorst is. And that's how poorly um, Anthony Marshall has played. Uh, that even a just a decent, good striker would be transformational for this side. Obviously, if you get an elite level striker, that's that's great, right? You're, you're going to, I think they'd bang in so many goals. Um, but you don't. If you don't get that top tier striker, I'm sure there's there's plenty of options around. I mean, like if I think if I think as an uh, the type of striker I'm thinking in my head, um, although I'm not sure this type of striker is available at the moment. Is like even if we had. So if we if we think about someone like Jamie Vardy at his peak, right? He wasn't an elite level striker. He wasn't sort of Ballon d'Or contention, which I think someone like Harry Kane could be if he was to move to to Real Madrid, for example. You know, he wasn't elite level tier one striker. But he was an excellent Premier League striker, good, good striker at international level, uh, and scored goals. And, and I think if he, if somebody like that moved into this Manchester United team with the pace and the work rate that he had at his peak, he's banging in goals and he's he's um, taking us to another level. Not because of his individual talent, but just because the team lacks this focal point and lacks somebody who's who's really just the finish, who's able to finish these these chances at the other end. Now, in the current market, who does that look like? I don't know. Everyone is is an expensive target these days. I mean, we were linked with this kid, Rasmus Hoyland, in, in, in Atlanta. He's 20 years old, and they're asking, uh, from what I've read, of course, I'm not involved in any of this stuff, but they ask 80 million, 90 million, 100 million euros. He's 20 years old. He's done nothing. I don't, you know, he scored nine goals in, in the last season. So I think it's a difficult, again, another difficult position to fill. Um, but I don't think we necessarily need to bring in, like, I'd be delighted if we brought in a Harry Kane or Victor Osman, 
but they're obviously harder hard to get from their their clubs so i you know i wouldn't be upset if we were looking at a different at a level down depending on the profile like age and and that kind of stuff but i think there's there's there are options out there if it wasn't for his gambling ban, I might have, I would have been tempted by Ivan Tony, to mm. be honest with you. 20, 27 years old, it's banned goals in the Premier League for Brentford. Um, and I think he has a good pro, he has a good profile and wouldn't have cost a hundred million. You do, wouldn't have thought, but now with his, with his gambling ban and all of that sort of, you know, and actually that was already hanging in the air, but just as a purely a player profile, that might have been a good, um, good option. But yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you'd think that the scouting system it, it has something, some players on the list that aren't going to cost 120 million. Then you can just find them on Football Manager as the best player in the game. <laughs> yeah, um, you kind of mentioned the uh, potential takeover at the top. There, it sounds like someone's going to buy it, but this story just seems to keep dragging on. Do you think that'll dictate how much you spend in the summer and and the amount of players that come in, or do you think there's kind of a continuous plan? It'll follow through regardless if you get loads of money. Kind of like Newcastle last year, where I think a lot of people expected them to spend mega millions and were ultimately fairly sensible. Well, I mean, I think, well, Newcastle did spend quite a lot of money, didn't they? I mean, they, they bought players just for the sake of having them to, to, to damage relegation rivals. So, mm. you know, that, so they have done that. But I mean, that, that's a different, different, different club. But looking at United, I, 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 let me put it this way. If you had... Uh, like if you were trying to sell a company, would you then go out and spend two hundred million on capital assets, which is essentially what we're talking about, right? <clears throat> it doesn't raise the value of the, the the club. It doesn't raise the value of your sale. So for me, I'm almost thinking like, the, why would the why would the Glazers do that and sanction at two hundred, three hundred million pounds in sales, right? Uh, that being said, there is obviously an ongoing plan. So there's a certain amount that they can sort of they've planned for within the accounts and whatever. And I think, uh, and then we can also raise money from player sales, but I don't know enough about like how all of this works and, and, and sort of what, what you'd like, if you're a buyer flip it around, if you're one of the buyers, do you want the club going off and like, let's say they decide we, we're not going to spend a lot of money. So we're going to get our second tier targets. So we're going to get, and don't get me into this, but because I, I dislike these players a lot, but we're going to get Mason Mount and Jordan Pickford and um, I don't know, some like Arnautovic or someone, let's say, to, to to fill up the squad and spend 100 million on those level players. If you're a buyer, do you really want them doing that? You're sort of going, no, well, don't. Why don't you just wait and then we'll come in and let's see. We'll put some proper backing behind this and you can get your your top level players and, and, and whatever. So again, I don't know like the ins and outs of these deals, but I know that the uncertainty probably isn't helping. Um, and, and even if we were to get, let's say uh, whoever the owner is and they, they, they wouldn't be able to come in and just pump in a ton of cash because of the FFP regulations and thing, you know, and, and we're, we're not going to game the system in the same way that <clears throat> certain other clubs have done. So, so, I wouldn't want us to. So I think there is a there's a limiting factor with this, or and I think it's hampering our um, approach, and that's why you're seeing some of these, quite frankly, for me, ludicrous links for players at stupid at their stupid prices as well. But they're cut, they're lower. Like if we went for let's say Frankie De Jong, who would be an ideal central midfield signing, 
we're talking 100, 120 million now because of the they've just won the league and he had a good season and he doesn't mm-hmm. really want to go. But we're, we're actually talking about a Mason Mount for 60 million, which I think is just stupid money. Um, but it's it, on paper for someone like the Glazers, you know, you see a name with a value next to it. You don't necessarily see the, they don't know football, right? So Mason Mount for 60 million, I think is worse value than Frankie de Jong for 100 million um, for this team and where we want to be going. So, but they're more likely to sanction the Mason Mount deal. So I think things like that are coming into play and it, it, it and like I said, the uncertainty doesn't help and, and the, this is one of the you know things that, have, that has happened with United since for a long time is that we instead of kicking on when we've had decent seasons like when we finished second under Mourinho or we finished second under Solskjaer, the or even previously when Ferguson had won league titles and instead of building on that the Glazers sort of tighten up the purse strings, and this is the first year since Ferguson where we've finished in the top four and won a trophy in the same season. And I feel like the same pattern is going to play itself out where we'll we'll get maybe one decent signing and then a few just cut price signings and it just won't be enough. And and again, progress is then hampered. So I, I feel like that's what's going to happen. So you asked earlier, what's the sentiment in the, in the, in the fan base? I think the sentiment is season's gone really well, um, all things considered. But there's a bit of pessimism around how the club is going to manage the transfer window and then and and then going forward. Yeah, that is really interesting. It makes this maybe an impossible question to answer. But what do you think expectations are for next season or will they be directly affected by a potential buyout? I think I think it I think the answer is it will, yeah, no I think it will be affected, right? That my ex, let's say that my expectation would have been um we get in a new striker, uh, whether he's top tier or second tier or whatever, but like a really a good, good striker, a top-level goalkeeper. Um, we bolster the central defence because I think you're probably going to see Harry Maguire go if he's got anything about him. And may, hopefully a, a central midfielder. If you started looking at that as a transfer window, then I'd be going, okay, this is... And depending on the, who those players are, you're probably going, okay, I think we've got a chance to to push... For that second spot, I mean, City are just, I think, streets ahead of everyone at the moment. Catching them is going to be difficult in one summer. But, you you know, you'd hope that you'd get closer. You start, we're in Champions League. That will help us attract better players. So that kind of thing, unfortunately, we can't have that conversation because you just don't know what's going to happen with the transfer window. Uh, and so, but I would never, you know, expectations versus hope are, are sort of the way I look at it. And I always hope for the best, but... Unfortunately, uh, since uh, for the last 10 years, I expect the worst, to be honest with you, with this, w- with this club. Well, not the club itself, but the, but the management. Mm. And then any bonuses like a Europa League title or like the Carabao Cup. It's like, hey, we did Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's a trophy. And uh, the, the Carabao Cup, yeah, it, it's probably fourth on the list at the beginning of the season. But... I took my son to the final. He loved it. You, I watched my team again lift another trophy, which is great. I've been to loads of finals, um, but it needs to be something you build on and kick on from, right? This is what, like, when Fergie was building his, I guess, um, not yeah, his final sort of great team that eventually ended up winning the Champions League in 2008 with Rooney and Ronaldo in the side. That kicked off with you know a couple of years without any trophies. Is sort of building the pieces 
and the first trophy they won was the Carabao Cup. And then from there, they kicked on, right? It's that feeling of winning and you build on top of that rather than, oh, we've won a trophy, we're, we're, we're settling, which is the Glazer attitude. And, and so, you know, he's built on, managed to build on top of that. But then also he was a genius manager. So he's able to get a tune out of the likes of John O'Shea and Phil Jones and, you know, these players over the years, but who, who end up being, well, maybe not Phil Jones, but like, you know, Darren Fletcher and, and these kinds of players who end up sort of being great servants for the club without being ultra talented. Um, so you combine the two and he's able to do that. But now you've got a situation where we should be building on this Carabao Cup final win and, and actually amazing season for Marcus Rashford, really uh, a breakthrough season for Alejandro Garnacho. You know, Luke Shaw has come through this season with, I mean, he's a, I, I genuinely think he's an outstanding footballer. Uh, Martinez and, and Varane at the back are a centre-back pair who are just excellent. Um, you know, there's loads to build on, but is he going to be given the the funds to build on it from a personnel perspective and also that kind of long-term security to build on it from like a, 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 a you know strategy perspective that remains to be seen gotcha well we'll see what happens this summer and next year obviously the buyout a very big domino to fall as you say so uh in the interim where can folks find you uh generally speaking you find me on twitter um and it's at doc underscore joshi uh, other than that, I float about on various podcasts like this one and um, sometimes YouTube channels. But yeah, mainly on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And folks at home, we hope you keep listening. Mm-hmm.